right. Well, you know, 250 episodes of the Small Business Show here, and we've learned about a lot of things, and we've made a lot of mistakes, including not recording this episode the first time that we thought we did. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but we thought, you know, visiting mistakes is actually how we learn, isn't it? It is. It's kind of like uh, I call them tuition as well, right? Because they cost you something, either in time, often money, Both. often lots of money. Yeah. Um, but you learn uh, tremendous uh, lessons that I think help you become a better business person as well as just a better person. And so I'm excited to share some of the best mistakes from some of the best guests that we've had in the last few years with uh, our listeners today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some good stuff in here. Some accounting stuff at the end, but it's yep. I don't think it's boring accounting stuff. So No, you, no, you, no. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know sometimes accounting stuff causes people's eyes to gloss over, but but no, no. And the beginning is uh I mean we've got some partnership stuff and um and ways to not throw money away. So yeah, I think it's, it's good. It's good stuff, man. Yeah, All me right. too. Yeah. Well, uh he is Shannon Jean. I'm Dave Hamilton. This is the small business show. All right, Dave. So let's jump into these mistakes. You know, this is this is going to be a great show because as I was prepping all this, I kept laughing going, oh, I've made this mistake. Yeah, this was a really good one. So up first is Tyler Merritt from Field Harmony. And uh, you know, I call this the I thought other people would think like me mistake. So let's right. hear it. Here we go. Um, the, the biggest mistake, I think, is I was naive to believe other people are me. They think like me. <laughs> they see the that's world great. like me. And yeah, I really thought good. this particularly about my partner. I, I love him. He's a brother to me. We've you know, we've been fast friends for for many years and we're not the kind of people that's going to let a business break us. I, I would walk away from it if it would cost me my friendship because he's more important to me as a friend. But I, I, because we're so close, I thought he could naturally get inside my head and just see the world the way I see the world. And, you know, even after over a decade of friendship, we're different people, you know? And I yeah. think every business owner needs to know that the other things are driving the people that you're working with and the customers that come and find and use your service or, or, you know, do business with you. And you have to suspend what you want and really get inside their head. What, what does he want? How do I motivate this person uh, to either, you know, pay me money for my service or to keep working hard when there is no money, you know, building yeah. this business. And, uh, for a long time, I just kept saying, come on, man, you can do this. You know, it's so easy. It's so obvious. And he was just like, you're a sucky teacher. <laughs> I was, like, yeah. I was yeah. like, I'm not a teacher. I'm a, I'm building a company. I'm not, you know, yeah. it's a different job. So anyway, I am a sucky teacher, Shannon. I, <laughs> I definitely have lived this. I, I live this all the time in, in, yeah. you know, the first place where I noticed this and actually corrected for it after a while was with my employees assuming that they wanted the same thing that I would want if I were in their shoes. Right. right. And, and I, I'm not in their shoes. I'm yeah. Cause you're not an employee, right? Correct. I like, I am yeah. intentionally not in those shoes. In fact, yes. if I felt comfort in those shoes, I would stay there. And, and I don't say that, 
to uh, disparage anyone that wants to be an employee. Like it all works. But that's that's the thing is it took me a long time to be like, oh, that I should be OK with this. They sure. what they want is different than what I want. And I I failed spectacularly with employees that I just assumed wanted what I would have wanted. And yeah, and, but I I find this all the time. I'm, I'm in the middle of a I'll call it a project with my extended family. There's a lot of things that were going on that we're all sort of working on together and other things that are driving other people like that. Boy, did that resonate with me when he said that? Here. Yeah, I heard you gasp. Yeah. If you go back and listen to that, one of the favorite things when I listened to this clip to include it on the show was as soon as he said that you went like, oh, yeah. you know, that's me, <laughs> you know, that's that kind of me. thing. And I thought that's yeah. good. And and that's that's a common thread when you hear these mistakes is you and I both going, oh, totally. I, I totally do this. And especially this one. And I thought it was good to start the show with because. From a serial entrepreneur, business owner perspective, it's hard to imagine people. Oh, why wouldn't you think like me? Or, you know, why wouldn't you want this change that I love? Or why don't I don't understand how your comfort level with this uh, type of risk isn't the same as me, Uh, especially to your point with employees. And I went through a, a period where, you know, and I didn't really know it, but I was really kind of scaring the heck out of some of our employees because I would say things like, Hey, all right. So you got this new job. As soon as you can, you need to start thinking, you know, who would you train to take your job? You know, how would you uh, replace yourself? And from my perspective, well, when, once you replace yourself, it frees you up to do something else. Right. And to move up in your organization. And even though I would explain it like that, you, you could kind of see the look on their face be like, oh, am I already getting replaced? You know, yeah, and, am I fired? My job? Like, yeah, what? is my job in jeopardy? And I wanted it to have the exact opposite impact and effect in the sense that, hey, this is a unique place to work and we give you all kinds of autonomy and no one's really going to tell you what to do once you figure it out. And and it took me a long time uh so you have it and I actually had to have someone pointed out to me. It's like, hey, you can't do that because you're really yanking people around and it doesn't make them excited and motivated. It, you know, it dislodges them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't want that. Uh, and, and I think especially we've talked about this a number of times on the show. There are people that often want to be partners with you or maybe you want to be partners with them but there are tells certain little indicators that you need to keep an eye out for that that person may be a better employee than a partner with you that is that's a lesson i would love to go back and tell myself you know 30 years ago or whatever i failed at this especially in the early days when i didn't you know, if I didn't have the capital, you know, you come into a business, sometimes you come in and you, it's like, well, nobody's investing any capital because nobody yeah. has any. And right, so right. but you've got somebody that can do the work that you need done. So I would make them a partner, be like, all right, man, you know, and I'd convince them to be a business partner and they would be excited. They would tell me they were my partner. They would believe it like that. Like I, there was no malice or anything involved <laughs> right, in this. Right. And then, you know, five months or sometimes five years down the road, you look and you're like, why am I having so much friction with this person? Why are they acting like an employee? Aren't they my partner? No, that was my idea, not theirs. Like, yeah, they're 
my they're my employee that I've paid with equity in the company. And and I've yeah. I've I've bought some of those people out over the years, um, right. it, you know, and that's I mean, what else are you going to do at that point? You've given them a stake in the company. Sure. They they did the work, presumably in the beginning for no pay, because that's why you paid. That's why you were right. partners. Right. You know, everybody. And um, but but invariably it it runs into that. Yeah. 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 It, it's something to really be aware of and, to, you know, come up with your own kind of, you know, checklist of, OK, does this person meet these partner type? You know, you shouldn't have to tell them what to do. Right. Every, you should be d- dividing up duties. Hey, this is how we launch this, whether we're launching a new company or a new product. But if you see yourself telling them over and over Hey, this is what we should do. This is how we should do it. This is the person you should contact. Eh, that person's working for you. I had, <laughs> maybe the I other had, way around. <laughs> I had a a senior partner in that this person had a larger stake in the business than me. And at one point, it, several of us were were saying to this person, like, "Hey, uh, you know, like you're not carrying your weight in terms of the workload here," and. The response that we got back was, well, no one has told me what to do. Uh, I don't get yeah. why you're so upset. <laughs> it's like, yeah, right. I understand now. Yes. You just made your point. Yeah. You just made your. Yeah. You just made our point. But you don't understand that you made our point like yeah. that, that. You made our point times two. Uh Oh, we have a much bigger problem because now we right. have to show you. This new way of looking at things and you're already on the defensive. That's not good. Like, oh, crap. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yep. It happens. It happens. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks for that one, Tyler. Um, So up next is uh, Sarah Biznicki with a a company. They're uh, jewelry designers and uh, manufacturers. They're in in, uh, Manhattan in New York City. And I love this one because I'm in there, again, something that I've done a lot. Uh, I I call it the don't panic and throw money at things you believe are going to quickly accelerate your business to another level. So let's hear it. All right. Here we go. I think when you start a company, you go through this panic mode when you're not getting customers. <laughs> panic? And, what? Like, you're just like, <laughs> like, oh my God, what can I do? And then you start throwing money at these weird places. Yeah. <laughs> to yeah. get, a, you know, to be, you know, uh, get yourself out there, your name out there. And they have so many things that are so attractive, like paying $5 and then you get, you know, a thousand people to your website or something like that. And, but that doesn't convert into sales. And I think that was like a a mistake because I think I would never do those things again because I know that they're like robots or they're not. Sure, sure. It's tempting though, right? Yeah. It's tempting because you're looking for any kind of help you can get and all this stuff comes up when you're searching. And uh, I've I've definitely. Because you think you're going to get real conversions, real people coming to your place, you know, Uh, because this person says they have a following. um, And it doesn't really work that way. And I think you really have to do your research on the people who are actually have followers contacting them and, you know, hoping that they'll work with you. Sure. Yeah. Don't blindly do it (laughs) in a panic. (laughs) Yeah. I'm guilty of this one too, man. (laughs) Well, it's too easy, especially if you are in that panic mode where you have to generate revenue quickly. It's, it's hard to remind yourself what you already know, which is take a moment, breathe and do the hard work. 
Uh, now yeah, you can cut out that the thing that you should be doing in those scenarios is looking at all the stuff you do and very quickly eliminating the things that are not making you money. Don't look for something new to make you money. Look at the things that you've already done to make money and cut out everything else. All yeah, the extraneous crap you might, which might mean like some growth things that you would do the, the working in your vis- business worth versus working on your business. At that point, you might put the in on your business on the back burner and work in your business for a little bit. That's fine. But picking up those, yeah. you know, get rich quick or hi- at worst hiring somebody that says, like she said, you know, I've got all these followers. We can we can make this happen. It's like, yeah, probs not. Yeah. 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 I think the the key thing I liked that uh, that Sarah said was, you know, it's all about conversions. So it doesn't matter, uh, you know, like especially now and, you know, the social media and all this stuff and you, you want to build followers and this kind of thing. But I would argue that you're better off with 300 core people that want to be connected with your business, want to buy your product in service or interested in your company and your story than you are with 30,000. And out of that 30,000, there's only 300, right? It's totally uh, true. Yeah. Yeah. And you've you got to track conversions. And and I, I go back to this, this question I ask myself often uh, is, you know, what can I be doing today right now to generate revenue? You know, not that you have to kind of, especially when you're getting started, because you, you, you're trying to build customers and how do I create sales? And, and uh, when you're bootstrapping it, you know, what, what can I do right now to, you know, generate revenue? What are the things that I could do? And, and it just takes, it's going to take time to your point. You got to do the hard work and it has to be authentic and kind of transparent. And you got to get your story out there and push your content. All that stuff takes time. And you need to think about it when you're starting you know, how are we going to survive until we start to get traction? Right. Right. Uh, and it, there just is no shortcut. You know, yes, there's things you can do and and, you know, connecting with influencers and this kind of thing and getting involved in groups. Um, but authenticity really carries the day and and the hard work over time. So it, it is It's advice. just it, yeah. it, hard work. is easy to do. I, I mean, because you don't but have it's to slow, wonder. Dave. It's, it's slow. slow. Oh, I know. That's the. Yeah, but it's it, not it, that it, slow. That, no, the, I understand. The, you know, like that's the thing I have to tell myself is like, okay, let's go do the hard work. And then, you know, you get finished with it. And sometimes the hard work is something that you can actually get done in a day, but you've just been procrastinating. And sometimes it takes weeks or, or longer. But things always take less time and effort than I tell myself they will take before I start them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely suffer from, you know, the the procrastination temptation. Uh, mm-hmm, and sure. but, so it's just like, well, just get it done. It, you know, it's 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 easier that way. And I've learned yeah. I've hacked my brain to know that I'm less stressed once I start a project than I am, you know, before I start it. And so it's just like, OK, well, that, I know how to relieve my stress. I'll just start doing it. That's it. Yeah. Action. Action. Right. Action. Get it. Yeah. Get yeah. It and done. then, you know, Sarah's thing, you know, following the data you know, not your emotions, not letting your emotions get out in front of you to, Oh, we have to do this. We got to do, you know, it's like, well, what's working? Well, how did you get your first, how did you get your first 10 sales? How did you get your first 50 sales? Where do they come from? Well, what kind of customer really looking at the, the data and the demographic and, and And then go do it. Yeah. Yeah. And do it. Right. So it's good stuff. It is. Um, 
Yeah. So I, I want to take a minute. Speaking yes. of conversions, absolutely. I, I want to I want to talk about our two sponsors here. Yeah. Uh, our first sponsor for today is Linode. With your business, one mistake you don't want to make is not having a server when you need one. Th- this is an easy problem to solve, and it's inexpensive too. The way Linode has put together their infrastructure, everything, everything that you get there runs on these super fast SSDs, not hard drives, but these SSDs, the things that we now have in our laptops and even our desktop computers, the things that make them run so much faster, it's replacing the hard disk with SSDs. No problem. They've done it on everything. A hundred percent of their infrastructure, which means that even their nanode server, which will run you just five dollars a month, runs on SSDs. And then, of course, you can scale up CPUs and things like that and storage space and all of that. But so much of what you need is just I need a server that's always on over there in the cloud. That's where you can start with Linode and they can take you all the way up to dedicated boxes and everything And it's easy to use. You don't have to use the command line. Their cloud manager interface is fantastic. And I've got a $20 credit for you. So go to linode.com slash SBS and then use code SBS2019. You get a $20 credit. And that way you can have that Nanode server for what? Four months because it's five and four is 20. And it's just yours because you're a listener here. Our thanks to Linode. For sponsoring this episode, our next sponsor is Text Expander. Man, talk about a mistake you don't want to make. You don't want to make the mistake of not having Text Expander for your business. Because with Text Expander, the first thing you do is take all of those customer service responses and things that you type all the time. They might be addresses or email addresses, all of that stuff. And you put them into Text Expander and you get them right once. You go crazy. You, you meticulously look at it. You make sure the formatting is the way you want. You make sure the spelling and the grammar, of course, is correct. And then they're in there. And the next time that you need to use that same piece of information or that same response, you just invoke it from Text Expander, either by clicking or by using a shortcut. And the shortcut of text expands into this longer snippet that you have. And then you don't have to proofread it because it's ready to go. You just say send. You don't have to look for it because it's right there. You're not digging through your sent folder. You want to do this. And you can get 20% off your first year at textexpander.com slash podcast. Go there now. Textexpander.com slash podcast. Make sure you let them know the small business show sent you. You get 20% off your first year. Our thanks to Text Expander for sponsoring this episode. All right, Shannon, who's our next cool. victim here on the yeah. mistakes thing? Actually, we're all the victims is really what we it are. turns out to be. But yeah, yeah. beneficiaries, right? Yeah, <laughs> Helping each right. other out the way, yep. the way you look at it. Yeah. So one of the common themes we've heard over the last five years of doing the show, when we talk about mistakes and what things, you know, business owners could could have done better. We hear about accounting issues over and over and over. So I, I pulled a, a couple out that look at this uh, issue, but in a different way. And the first one is Justin Sisley from Digidern Bookkeeping. And it's the, I call it the, I've got time to do the accounting later mistake. Oh, so let's hear this one. Dave. All right, yeah, yeah, here we go. Oh, yeah. I, I think it's that they they put it off for so long that it's just, oh, by the time they get to it, it's so overwhelmingly backed up that there's just 
it becomes such a huge stressor. There's just no end in sight for it. Um, you know, can you do it yourself? Yes. I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, Nope, you need to hire me. You can't do it. Um, you, you can do it yourself. There's software out there. I like zero, but QuickBooks online works too. Um, you can do it yourself, but you need to keep up with it is really what it comes down to. If you're, if you're putting it off because you don't know what you're doing, um, you're just making the problem multiply on itself until tax time rolls around. And then you've got two weeks to catch up on a year's worth of bookkeeping. It's, it's not going to be fun for you. So yeah, the biggest thing is just, just getting going, uh, take the time up front to just figure out how the software works. Um, you know, you're probably not going to know the answer to every question of, you know, where do I book this? Um, but you know, there's forums out there and, and mm-hmm. QuickBooks has a big forum where you can ask questions, that sort of thing. Just get on top of it right away, get a routine going. You don't have to do it every day, but set aside an hour a week or maybe two hours a week to just sit down and j- just do it. I mean, you're going to put it off otherwise. And once you put it off for a week, you're going to put it off for a month and it's going to end up April 15th rolls around and you're in an unhappy spot. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> I, my yeah. advice with this, I, I, I have not, well, I guess I did suffer from this in the early days, um, but I very quickly made it so that I like accounting and, Oh, that's good. Yeah. It's just the numbers, right? Cause it's a thing you can actually control. There's no humans involved. So the numbers should work out and learning that double entry accounting can, you know, where you, you put something in one ledger and also another. So it's categorized as well as in say your bank account, that whole thing can be very calming. I find, <laughs> um, other than when you don't have any, you know, when you're, you're spending more than you're making, there's times when it's not all that calming, but at, to his point, I recommend taking advice, folks, from the uh, esteemed Mr. Shannon Jean here. Look at your bank balance every single day. And you can do that if your accounting software li- you know, links with your bank. Do it from inside your accounting software. And that way you're in there every day. You won't be putting this off because you're right there. That's that's yeah. my advice on this one. Yeah, and I and I do I do look at the bank balance, and uh, my problem is I'm such a top line guy. If you've listened to the show for any t- period of time, I'm always sales driven. So I I don't mind doing the accounting either once I'm into it. And and that's a good point you make. You know, you just kind of sitting there moving the numbers in there, but uh, or working with the bookkeeper or the accountant to to do it. What what really. Uh, causes problems for me is I don't like to give up the time to do it because I'm always so focused on, okay, how do I drive sales? How do I drive this? You know, how do I do that? And stopping to track everything that I've already done, it drives me crazy. And so it constantly causes me problems, you know? Um, But if, if you can't do it, you know, get with a good bookkeeper that can keep track of those results for you or have an employee do it or, you know, something along those, those lines, because, it quickly turns into a monster, right? Oh yeah, I mean, and and you to your detriment, right? Because you can't remember everything, and even though if you think you're keeping track of things, if you're not getting it into your accounting system, you're missing things. You're missing things that you you can write off that your expenses that you're not tracking correctly, and and I would argue that it 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 hurts you more often than not because. Um, 
you know, there's a ton of things you can be writing off, tracking, enriching your life without having to take income that's very expensive tax wise. Um, get with a good bookkeeper if, if you don't want to do it. Uh, they're not very expensive. They'll pay for themselves in the long run. Oh, very get a good, Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. And, and get get with a good accountant that can then take all that data and then also look at your overall picture and say, hey, this is what I would do. This is this is the mistakes we made last year's so we should do. So, um you know, Justin is absolutely correct. And uh, what I like about it, excuse me, is that, you know, he, he's a bookkeeping company for small businesses, but he also recommends, hey, if you, if you don't want to hire somebody, go do it yourself and get QuickBooks yeah, and stuff. But get it uh, done one way or another. Get it. That's right. Get it done. Yeah. I will share a piece of advice that my father-in-law gave me years and years ago. And he is, he's got the Midas touch, this guy, whenever he just, he knows how to make businesses run very, very smoothly. But it doesn't matter how big the business is. He never changes one policy, and that is manage to cash flow first. Don't right. get lost in your profits. Your P&Ls are fine, and they are valuable things to have, but only like look at cash flow first. I do not let myself launch the P&L report in my accounting software until I've looked at the cash flow. It, it, it is there. There, there is a, a path and it forces me to see where the cash is and where it's going. And when I have not done that, I've been caught by surprise and it's not a good surprise to have necessarily. It's nice yeah. when you find you've got extra cash. Don't get me wrong. That's not usually what happens. So <laughs> right. It's the other way. It's the other way. Yeah. 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 So because this is such an important topic, I've got a We've got a second mistake uh, in and this is a little different point on it. This is Bob Gruall from Seapoint Business Advisors. And and uh, Bob, I've, I've met Bob when we were doing some negotiations with one of our business and, and he's a, a he's, you know, he helps people sell their their companies. So sure. his take yeah. on it, uh, if the, I, I call it the, you know, keep your books clean mistake. Ah. And uh, you, you, there, let, let, let's hear what Bob has to say about this. All right. Take it away, Bob. Yeah. So for, for small business owner, you know, what, what do you think the biggest misconception is uh, when they start thinking about selling their company? Um, what, what do you do? Is there a, a something that you kind of hear over and over again or something in commonality in the, in the thought process? That's not correct. <laughs> Um, boy, about a misconception. Uh, I think sometimes when sellers are on the inside running their business, they forget that somebody on the outside looking in, or even if it's a different company, they may not, they're not going to have the same comfort level that the seller is, uh, that the seller has today. So, um, you know, maybe that they don't realize the importance of having really good books and records and having really good profit and loss and balance sheets uh, and showing them in such a clean way that anyone that's looking at them will clearly see how much profit the business generates. So sometimes they run it in such a casual way. They think, oh, this is this is so easy. Somebody else is just going to be able to come in and just be just as comfortable and be as successful as me when they they really won't because for example there's probably no operations manual um, you know maybe they're running a lot of personal expenses through the business all those things make it harder to sell and it's not that easy to to sell a business there's a lot of uh, scrutinizing of the, of the of the books and records that happen when you when you sell a business so oftentimes I think uh, sellers don't realize it is it is an arduous process. There is this due diligence period where buyers go in and they want to really make sure that they're, they're getting what they're paying for. So during that process, they're going to be going through a lot of records and it seems very tedious for sellers. So uh, sometimes sellers are not prepared 
you know, emotionally or even, huh. um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, physically ready uh, to, to sell the business. They don't have a lot of their records in, um, in good shape. It- all right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> good points. Uh, it's all great points. Yeah. Y- you know, when it comes time to sell your business, I-, I think you need to have, and it could be your accountant for sure, but you need to have somebody else look at your books. I, I, I like his advice, but I'm not convinced that it's practical, to be perfectly honest. Um, you are going to wind up running things through your business that to a that are totally legitimate with the IRS and all of that. Right. The, the way I look at the tax code is it's not my rules, so I'm just going to follow the rules you guys wrote. However, there are going to be some things in there that a prospective buyer is going to look at and say, well, those are personal expenses. They're not, they're legitimate business write-offs, but they are not write-offs that every owner of the business would take. They are write-offs that you as the owner of this business would take. Right. And so therefore those are considered profit and you want to, you want to reflect them as profit. Uh, Perhaps not on your tax return. If you can, if you can find a way not to, that's a good thing. Right. But, uh, but to a prospective buyer, that should be highlighted as profit. And so you, I think you need to have someone go through your books with you. Uh, your accountant's a perfect person to do that because they probably know how you think and how you've been doing things for a while. At least they should. And that person can help you filter through those and, and sort of recast things in a way that looks correct to a prospective buyer in a perfect world. Sure. You keep your books clean, you keep your balance sheet clean and all that stuff. But there's a difference between what's clean for the IRS and what's clean for a buyer. And and I I think those are two different things. I I, just, from my experience. Yeah. Yeah, they are. And and I, after talking with Bob and learning about the process that he goes through is that's a big part of what, uh, you know, a, business broker or advisor helps you with is yeah. restating yeah. those financials. Uh, and so it, it, I think it comes down to just kind of keeping things up to date more than anything else. You, you, if, if you get approached by someone that wants to buy your company and I've had this happen and you don't have, and your books are, you know, months and months behind, it's going to take you a long time to get up to date enough to where they could actually look in and get a clear financial picture of how oh, your that, business is. Doing. Yeah, that's different. You definitely want to keep things up yes. to date at all times. It's just the yeah. recasting of them. But, yes. but that's yeah. the thing is they need to be fully up to date before you can you start can, the before recasting. you can restate them. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, because because right. you and and buyers understand this, right? They, especially sophisticated buyers, they know. Okay, well, what do we got? No, yeah, you you've got these company vehicles that we're not going to need, and we're going to. But those things help you because most yeah. purchases are are multiples of something, right? Typically earnings and that kind of thing. So if if you are restating or recasting uh, your you know, financials to present to someone else, well, you're going to look better because you've pulled out what I call lifestyle expenses, right? Which are perfectly legal to your point. Um, But I'm a huge fan of, you know, like George Washington, he didn't want a salary. He just wanted an unlimited expense account, right? Uh, (laughs) That's a big, big benefit because you're, it's, it's pre-tax benefit, right? Right. Your, your travel, your vehicles or whatever, however your accountant advises you that you can put real run through your business. um, That stuff needs to be be restated. So the buyers know what's going on. So I think the main point I was trying to make on this one was keeping things up to date, not just 
because it keeps your business healthy, but you never know when someone's going to approach you and say, Hey, I want to buy your company. And the sooner you can respond, you know, that strike while the, what does they say? While the iron's hot, that you don't want to have to go, Hey, I'm going to need a few months to go through all my financials and this. Time kills all deals. Yeah, as, as you and I have proven to one another yeah. many times. Yes, yes, yeah. it's happened to us. So, that's you know, right. that's that's where I think, uh, you know, keeping things up to date as much as you can and be ready for when these things happen um, is is the way to go. But but I think you're a valid point, Dave. You're not going to keep everything perfect at all times. You can't do it. You'll you will be an accountant, <laughs> right? Well, and you'll be yeah, you'll keep you know. two sets of books. Is what you will. Yeah. You keep the and not in the you know back room kind of way. In right. the in right. just the way that it has to be. Because if you aren't taking advantage of all of the things that the tax code allows you to, you are literally giving away your profits. You are, and yep. and there's no reason to do that. Uh, and, and, and look, uh, if someone comes in to buy your business and sees that you're not taking advantage of, of some of the perhaps more obvious things, they might question, okay, what, like that might actually be a red flag for them. Like, yeah. uh, what are you doing here? Like, right. is this business really something we want to get involved in or has this not been run well? Although that could be, you know, I mean, they, it could go both ways, but you know, yeah. Take advantage yeah, of it. But it's, yeah. it is. It is. Yeah. So the accounting stuff is real important. That's why we had, you know, two uh, guests on the, here today that were talking about this. And, you know, I, I really like listening to these uh, comments and, you know, we call them mistakes, but they're really, you know, learning it's experiences advice. Yeah. and advice. Right. And I, I've got a, f- a few more that I think are really worth listening to. And what I'd like to do is bump uh, those into a part two episode that we can d- here run during the Thanksgiving break. That's that's coming up next week. What do you I think, like Dave? it, man? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's that great works for yeah. me. Yeah. And uh, so we'll, we'll come back to the next episode will have a few more of these some of which and one in particular has stuck with me uh, for years and really goes to the heart of many many mistakes that we make that I think you will really uh, benefit from hearing oh well now I can't wait to wait to listen to next week's episodes <laughs> <laughs> and I get to hear it before everybody else so let's uh, yeah let's do it alright folks thanks so much for listening feedback at businessshow.co share your thoughts on these mistakes with us Visit our sponsors, lino.com slash SBS. Of course, textexpander.com slash podcast. Keep living that charmed life, and we'll see you next week.